Welcome to the first episode of I'm the Other Guy. This is the podcast where up-and-coming comedians will talk about times they had a one-to-one offstage experience with the greats of comedy. It may have been a conversation on a plane after a gig, or being in the same hotel while stuck in a snowstorm, or just making fun of some other people while you're at a Starbucks. My name is Christian Lawrence. If you know me at all, it's from my comedy show, Bare Knuckle Comedy. Or maybe we worked together, or maybe you found me under a bridge and listened to my dementia-addled ramblings. Thanks for listening to my ramblings, by the way. I was When I was living under that bridge, I had some really strong opinions about dog leash laws that I really needed to get off my chest. Thank you for listening. On this podcast, we're going to talk to some comedians from across the United States. In future episodes, we'll meet a young comedian who is so starstruck that he just... Forgot how to talk? We'll meet an up-and-coming comic who happened to see a giant of independent comedy just kind of hanging out in the back of an open mic. And there'll be lots more. By the way, our theme song is by an awesome band called Super Fun Yeah Yeah Rocket Ship. Go to their website, superfunyayarocketship.com, and pick up a copy of their EP, Please Stop, on iTunes or Bandcamp. The comedian in our first episode is the first person I thought of when starting this podcast because the story he'll be telling is exactly what I'm looking for. It's a young comedian spending time with a huge name of comedy in a decidedly non-comedic situation. Steve Poggi is a comedian based out of San Francisco, and several years ago he had an interesting interaction with none other than former SNL player, host of Weekend Update, and all-around awesome guy, Norm MacDonald. First off, I have to apologize for the audio quality of this interview. Steve lives across the country, and I couldn't arrange travel for either of us, so we just conducted the interview over the telephone. Steve is not only a very funny comic, but he's also a really decent human being, which totally comes across in the story he's about to tell. So with no further ado, this is my interview with Steve Poggi about Norm MacDonald. Oh, I'm the other guy. Hey, hey, what's up? What's going on, girl? How you doing? Oh, man, just living the life one dollar at a time. Yeah, you are. What's happening, man? Oh, dude, not much. I'm I'm involved in, like, for some reason, whenever I undertake a project, I decide to take on three major projects at the same time. Right, right. So that right. I just bury myself. Right, you're like, yeah, you're like all of us. We all do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if I got a chance to talk to you kind of like what uh, I was looking for. We're taking comedians and have talking about their, like, they're like their uh, kind of one-on-one interactions with like big names, kind of yeah. like off stage. And you are absolutely the first person I thought of because of that incredible story with Norm Macdonald. And that is like yeah, of- man. I was after you contacted me, I had been sitting around thinking about it because I wasn't sure if I wanted to tell the story because I didn't want it to seem like I was shit talking or paint Norm in, like, a negative light. But after I was thinking about it, it's like all the negativity and kind of stuff basically came from me. Exactly. Yeah, the the more I thought about your story, the more I thought about, like, I think think this was a lot of this might have just been in in Poji's head the more I thought about it. Yeah, because it's weird. You know, when you get around someone who's famous, uh, and especially on, like, a hangout kind of situation... Whatever that person, whatever that celebrity does, it seems like it has, like, extra amplification because it's, you know, it's not like, hey, this guy got a glass of water. It's like, oh, my God, Norm McDonald's getting a glass of water. (laughs) Like, it it adds something extra to whatever, 
you know, happens that that person <laughs> seems to be doing. And then there's that other element where it's like, uh, you know, how do I, how do I react around this person? And like, also, you almost second guess everything you do or say because, like, oh, did I did I come off looking like you know an asshole when I said that or when I did that? And it's really easy to just get buried in your own head like super fast. Oh yeah, well, especially when you're uh, you know trying to be in the same field as that celebrity is. Right. Because then it's like, you know, he could take me on the road or he could do all this. And it's like, he's not taking you anywhere. Okay. <laughs> Get that thought out of your head. <laughs> but it, like, it appears like a real opportunity. Like, I should capitalize on this. Right. 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 You're like, you're like I'm, I'm going to maximize this situation. And you, like, I've been in that situation before where you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and spin this into something much bigger. But then, like, it kind of doing it, you're like, oh, wait a minute, did I just, what did I just do? Did I just, I, I probably look like a jerk right now. I've done that a million times and come off looking, not to say that you did, but I know I've come off looking super crazy because... Oh, well, especially you factor in, you know, drugs and alcohol and everything else and all that anxiety and, you know, delusional hopefulness. It right. just, it makes a recipe for disaster. And now it's like, you know, I mean, it happened so long ago, it's like sometimes it's one of those deals I'll be laying in bed at night and I'll think about it and I'll just cringe <laughs> to myself in the darkness laying on my pillow. Did you, <laughs> did you um, you, uh, did you open up for him that night? No, actually, um, I got hired on at the club on New Year's Eve as a security guy. Like, originally, I was... I was going to this comedy club and I was treating this way that people do like store. So I'm like coming in early, just watching shows, busing afterwards. Like all this really bizarre shit considering that it was, uh, you know, it's not like it's the pinnacle of entertainment. Right. But for me in that area, it essentially was. And so they offered me a job. I worked New Year's Eve. And then sometime around February, it actually might be like around the anniversary. I don't. I, I want to say it was like six years ago, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Norm Macdonald came in, and uh, he had performed at the club a couple times, and uh, so there was this big kind of push. They wanted to make sure that they could get some really good uh, pot, so that way, whenever. Norm came in, it was like we were giving him, like, you know, the grand kind of treatment kind of a thing. Right. You know, he's a big name alone, let alone for the area that I was in working at this club. So they arranged to have this guy get some pot or whatever, and then something happened, and then that guy couldn't do it. Mm. So then they sent me as, like, the backup drug dealer. Like, I'm not even a first-string drug dealer. I'm like... <laughs> second place drug dealer and uh but that, i remember we used to play cards and norm came in and he was all excited about playing cards you know we were right by a casino so they like to gamble and do all that kind of stuff when they come in and uh so we're playing cards and then he just starts you know firing up right there in the showroom so somebody to smoke with him and it's like, it's him, his handler, 
uh, all these different, uh, you know, big wigs from the club manager, uh, the booker and everything, and they're sitting around playing cards. And then me, the new hire, and I also happen to be the only one that smoked pot. Right. So I'm just in the showroom of this place that I'm just enthralled by, smoking pot with Norm MacDonald out of this weird turtle pipe. It was a glass turtle, and then its stomach is where you put weed, and then you could smoke it out of his ass or out of his mouth, and then just put your finger over whichever hole you weren't using. <laughs> and so we're sitting there smoking, and of course, Norm's fine. He's not impressed at all. He's done this how many times? This is like a flyover state. Right. And it, I remember at one point he goes, he looks over at me and he goes, you know, I uh, I'd suck a guy's dick if weed came out of it. And I was like, oh, well, hey, you know, that's, that's cool, man. You know, like, but again, because of that celebrity factor, whatever he says, it's genius. Immediate genius. This is the funniest man ever. And he goes, yeah, I don't mind smoking out of this tail's asshole. You get myself a little high, Billy. Play with some tag. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And then... And this is the first night he comes in. So then he gets all situated, and they get him in his hotel room. And then I get a call the next day uh, from, you know, the big guys at the club. And they're like, hey, uh, we need you to run this over to Norm. And I'm like, you know, like, that, here's how you get famous, Steve. Now's the time to put the magic on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I got this pot. And uh, I wanted to make sure that it was good pot. So I smoked some of it before I went in. <laughs> And it completely destroyed me. Like, I'm a, I'm a constant pot smoker. This shit had me fucking, you know, hard to walk, kind of like talk. My eyes look like they're bleeding. Yeah. And Ooh. I make my way up to the hotel room. Like, after like 40 minutes of walking around the hotel room trying to build up the confidence for this shit. And I, fucked, I, I knock on the door. And finally, I found his because the whole hotel, like, uh, hallway just stunk like weed. <laughs> and, like, this, is, this isn't in, like, a medical marijuana state. Like, this is, like, <laughs> this is some highly illegal activity. So that kind of makes me even more paranoid <laughs> as I'm going in, you know, to, to meet Mr. Show Business in my mind. Oh, my God. And uh, we, we go, I, I knock on the door, the handler opens the door, he comes in, we're talking, and. Uh, Norm's like doing some online gambling stuff and I sit down and then like between the weed and my flawed emotional system, I'm having a lot of anxiety. Like I'm like on the verge of like panic attack kind of stuff. And then the thought of having a panic attack in front of Norm McDonald while I'm really stoned completely clears the idea of becoming, you know, his opener, whatever goal I had in mind. So I'm trying to like fight that off too. Oh my God. And, uh, and then it was like Norm. He was he was really cool, man. He sits down, and then uh, he starts asking questions. How long have you been doing stand up? But I'm not conversative because I'm just destroyed. So I'm like, oh, I've been doing it for a while. You know, I'm pretty funny. The club likes me, and it's just like I'm not offering anything to the conversation. Right. And then at that point, it puts Norm in a position of like, oh God, you know, this poor kid's scared to death. He doesn't know what's going on. Mm. I'm just going to try to talk him through it. So he tried. To get me to start gambling on commercials like <laughs> we're watching tvs and like a commercial will come on and he goes and if you find dollars a rabbit's gonna show up and i'm like i, I, I don't have any money i go, no man it's a good day man five days you get a couple seconds here man 
Oh, no, it says a rabbit shows up. <laughs> and then, like, the commercial finishes, and there was no rabbit. He goes, look at that, man. You could have just made $5. There's no rabbit in that commercial, man. You know, you, can, you can't make anything if you don't take a risk. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, at, at this point, I don't know if it's, like, my awkwardness or whatever, uh, but me and Norm start smoking. The handler doesn't really smoke. And so he leaves. So now it's just me and Norm in this hotel room. And then it's like we're sitting there, and then he, he's talking to me about different stuff, about sports. Uh, I, th- I think we were talking about, like, the longevity of a running back in the NFL or something. And I knew about football, so I was, like, getting geared into this. Yeah. And um, so as we're talking, he uh, he says something, and then it's like, you know, with Norm, you never know if he's fucking around or being serious. Right. And all of a sudden, he just tells me, like, some horrific story about how, like, someone that he knew or, like, a family member or somebody that was somehow tied to him or somebody that he cared about, a person of, you know, some relative was murdered, like, like brutally murdered. I almost want to say that, like, a part of the like thing was like this person's head might have been severed or something. Oh my god. And I fucking laugh. Oh. Because I'm not thinking in my head like, you know, Norm's just gonna tell me this very honest, grim, vulnerable story. Like, why would you do that, you know, with some drug dealing kid you don't know? Right. And so as I laugh, like that very clearly like makes everything uncomfortable and I'm like, Oh I didn't know you were serious. He goes, No man, I'm not I'm not sucking around and he was like it was like the Norm McDonald voice, but like very agitated and angry. Oh my god! So I'm like, I'm like, oh fuck, man! I just, I just blew my showbiz opportunity. Now this guy hates me, and I'm high out of my mind in the fucking hotel room. Oh and my god! So I'm, I'm like, at this point now, it's like, like since there's some sort of like verbal disadvantage that I feel now, I'm really overcompensating with talking, and I'm like motor mouthing and talking a lot, and. uh as I'm talking to him, I'm sitting on like a reclining chair, and then Norm is laying on like a love seat, uh, like sprawled out across it. And the way it is is like his head is, is like the furthest point from me, so his feet are the closest point to me. Right. And as I'm motor mouthing, trying to get everything together and like try to redeem myself, he starts like opening and closing his legs, like he's using like a thigh master kind of effect. <laughs> And the more I talk, the more he starts moving these legs. And and it's probably out of like, God, this kid is a fucking idiot. I just want him out of my hotel room so I can go back. They're just hanging out. And, you know, what's the nice way to kind of get this kid out? And, like, and I think that the more he's, like, trying to get rid of me, the legs start going faster. Oh, my God. But to me, I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, dude, Norm's going to ask me to suck his dick. <laughs> I was like, this is a fucking trap. <laughs> this is that gay show business shit that you always hear people talking about, about, you know, hey, you want to be famous, you got to suck my dick. And I'm like, he's going to try to fucking pull that on me. <laughs> and I And I'm... You know, so out of my mind, so out of my element, out of my league, and I'm like, if he if he asked me, dude, I'm just gonna get up, I'm just gonna walk out of the hotel room and not say anything. Oh my god! And then it was like, and then I'm like planning the scenario in my head of like, well, what if he 
asks me to suck his dick. I try to leave, and then he, like, grabs me or something and gives me, like, the whole, you know, you know who I am speech. Oh, my God. So then I'm like, well, if he does that, then I'm going to punch Norm in the face, and I'm going to kick him in his knee, and then I'm going to run out of the fucking hotel room yelling. For so like, I'm, like, trying to make these plans for these scenarios that aren't realistic or aren't going to happen, but to me, this is, like, a totally real, like, outcome and build up to this fucking thing. Oh so, my God. then it gets worse. Like, as I'm, like, contemplating how to fight Norm McDonald to not suck his dick, <laughs> there's a knock at the hotel room door. Now, keep in mind, we've been smoking a lot of pot. I think he was smoking way more pot than he normally does just because of the awkwardness of having, you know, this weird open mic guy in his hotel room. <laughs> who sucked at social communications. Oh, my God. And so there's a knock at the door, and I look at Norm, and, like, I've had, a, like, a lot of legal troubles and stuff like that, so I'm, like, like, I've been in a drug raid before, so I'm thinking this is, like, a drug raid scenario. Right. And right. then Norm's like, oh, did you invite somebody over? Oh, and shit. And then, like, and my response is, like, no, man, I would never do that. Like, I'm swearing allegiance the fucking, like, I would never violate your trust as a human being. You know, I, I will cut my arm to show that I am Team Norm. <laughs> my God. And, then he, and so Norm's like, he's like, what do you want? He's like yelling through the door, and I'm like, like, Norm, we're committing a crime here. Like, this is not legal in the state that, and you sure you didn't bring anyone over here? Like, you know, some girls or something? I'm like, no, I, I don't know anything. I don't know what's... I don't know what's happening. Why am I? I don't, and I'm like getting even more paranoid and freaked out. So he's like, he stands up and there's no people on the door. So he's just yelling through the door and he's like, well, what do you want? And then this very weird, this garbled voice is like, like, you yeah, Like, it's like these weird words that I can't make out. I don't know if it's the drugs or someone fucking around, but no, it's just like, I can't understand you. You're not making sense. <laughs> So then there's like pounding, like aggressive pounding on the door. And he's like, yeah, you can knock as much as you want, but I don't know who you are. I'm not letting you in. You know, you can just stay out there if you want to. It must be a nice hallway. <laughs> and like his reaction to the situation versus what I think the situation like actually is, it's like it's totally fucking with me. So now at this point, I went from I'm, Norm's going to ask me to suck his dick to nor like I'm gonna have to take like the drug deal fall oh for Norm. Oh like my... like I have to you know pledge allegiance. Once I was very big about pledging allegiance to things, so I'm like I can't you know disgrace the club by having the headliner in jail. I'm just gonna have to take this hit. Oh my god! And so now the knocking is getting more and more aggressive, and Norm seemingly doesn't give a fuck. And I don't know if he's high or if he's underrating the situation. So he's just like, well, that kind of attitude, I'm not letting anybody through that door. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and then after like, I mean, it felt like a half hour, but realistically it was probably like four or five minutes. The, other, the guy, the voice on the other side goes, it's Brian, let me the fuck in. And it was like the handler guy who had <laughs> left earlier. So, so then he comes in. 
And I'm, I'm like, I realize now that the situation's not dangerous, but my adrenaline and everything's fueling me, and I'm like shaking. And uh, he comes in and he goes, "Hey, man, uh, you know, I just met these two chicks down in the lobby. Uh, we need to get them into the show." And me, being Mister Fucking Know It All, I'm like, "Oh, the show's sold out. That's not going to happen." And he's like, "What? What do you mean? That's not like this is Norm McDonald. He gets in whoever he wants into the show. They have so many comfort they're allowed to give." And I mean, I mean, yeah, it's sold out. They're not getting in. And then uh, he was like, well, call your boss and tell him. And then at that moment, luckily enough, I was like, oh, yeah, like he probably does get in whoever the fuck he wants to. He's the star of his own show. <laughs> so I fake a phone call, and I'm like, I'm like hey, this is Steve. Hey, we got some comps. I, I know the show's sold out, but the Norm's comps. And no one's on the phone. I'm just I'm in Norm McDonald's hotel room with him in the handle, talking on a phone call that doesn't exist. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, I'll, I'll come over there right now and I'll put him in the computer. And that was like my out, like to get myself out. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm going to go uh, put those names into your computer. You know, I'll, I'll hit you up uh, later on, you know, and we'll hang out some more. And then the Ryan guy's like, yeah, whatever. And Norm's like, well, thanks for coming by. We appreciate everything you're doing for us. I'm like, I'm so ashamed and so embarrassed that my... Like, not even actions, at my existence at this point, because I feel like I just blew, like, my HBO special, just deflated. And so I sulk back to the club, I talk to the box office person about comps, and I tell the story to them, and they look at me and they go, you told Norm MacDonald the show was sold out and he couldn't get comps in? Like, like just like, you're the biggest fucking idiot we've ever seen and I, and I was just like, oh, man, it was the drugs. I just fucking, I, I got to go. And I just, I literally, I just went home, and I was in a depression for, like, four days. Oh, my God. Just hating myself. But, yeah, man, that was, uh, that was my first, like, comedy club celebrity encounter. And uh, the only thing that allowed me to redeem myself is that in my head I was like, no matter what happens or who it is after that, nothing will ever be as bad as what I did during that one. Oh my god. Steve. I'd I'd heard like I think I heard like the short version of that story before. This version that you just told me, like I just feel like I had like a psychosis like here listening to this story. That was incredible. I had no idea like how how like how in depth that was that is absolutely remarkable dude it, it was it was like easily like that was my worst showbiz like encounter and like and, you know to norm's credit like he came to the shows and he was very nice to me after that and he you know he talked and i think he understood like like this kid was just fucking overwhelmed and had no idea what he was doing so he didn't hold it against me but like you know it, i bombing doesn't compare to the horribleness mm. that I felt. And, you know, like immediately following after that, I tried to tell the story on stage, n not even necessarily to get a laugh, but just to like, almost like as a confession or to like try to redeem myself. Right. And then I, I, I stopped doing it because I wasn't prepared to handle that kind of a story or communicate everything that was involved. But fuck, dude, I've thought a lot about that shit afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, once you, 
you know, it's like once you've, you know, experienced something, it's just like, especially something like that, eventually it's like the wounds heal and you're like, okay, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And I just need to, I just need to let somebody know that this happened to me. And my, my God, Steve. But you know, from that, uh, it was so disastrous that it really made me think about how I interact, not just with celebrities, but with regular people. Right. So that way, when I get around celebrities, I can treat them like regular people. Right. And so, you know, a couple of years after that, I ended up getting a show with uh, Stanhope, and it was a crazy show that I had to drive from Missouri, uh, pick him up at Kansas City, and then drive him to Manhattan, Kansas for a one-night show, get up at 5 a.m., and then drive him back to the airport and then come home. And uh, because of that, I knew how to act around people, and I just treated Doug like he was just like a regular guy, like a friend of mine that I hadn't seen you know, in right. a long time. Right. And that, that was like the redeeming factor that he really liked about me was that I was just like a regular guy, and that enabled me to do a lot more work. And then I got on uh, episode 44 and 45 of his podcast, and you know, yeah. told some old, old drug stories and stuff. So it, it did work out in the long run, gave me the information I needed, but yeah, still, man, I still think about that thing and get embarrassed by myself. Well, I think, uh, I think, you know, anybody who happens to be listening to this, it absolves you of, you know, you know, crazy 20 year old behavior. We all got those crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. That is incredible. And it, I mean, it's one thing to look like an asshole, but it's another thing. If you look like an asshole, and then you learn from that experience, and right. then you don't act like an asshole again. That's, right. That's the next thing. It sounds like you were doing a, uh, you were doing a, you're putting together a festival. Yeah, I'm putting together a two week long comedy festival right now called Sketchy Fest. It has over 112 comics, over 40 shows. Uh, it's going to run two weeks long. And while I'm doing this, I'm also uh, negotiating a CD contract with Uproar Records. And I am also filming a uh, web series called Pete and Poji. I was watching some of the videos of the, uh, the Pete and Poji ones, dude. I was watching, um, I was watching which one? There was two of them that I saw on your website, and I loved the uh, the list of ailments at the end of the uh, the fucking the sports drink one. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's part of when we started off. We tried to do like. Uh, like a web series, like this is episode one, and then this is the pilot episode. But as it stands now, uh, the first video we made, which is like, I think it's 20 minutes long, maybe 18 minutes long, that is what we're considering our prologue. And then the following episodes will be referred to as chapters to imply that there's a continuing storyline. Uh... Um, so Valentine's Day, chapter one, is actually going to be released, and that's the one that we made once we knew everything that's going on. So if you go to YouTube and you type in Pete and Poggi, P-O-G-G-I, uh, you'll be able to see the prologue for sure. And then after Valentine's Day, you'll be able to see the first chapter. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's cool, man. What's the, uh, the, 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 you said the CD thing? What's going on with that? Yeah, that was uh, in the World Series of Comedy uh, that took place in 2014. Uh, I, went, I, I made it to the final round. Like They have satellite competitions for you to uh, become eligible for the main event. And I went to the main event, and I got eliminated first round. Uh, but I was lucky enough that uh, one of the judges was actually uh, the head of this record label. 
Um, and they've, they've released some of prior stuff. They have rain prior stuff coming off. They've done stuff with Gallagher. Uh, and it's, it seems like it's going to be a nice, good little entry level deal. I submitted a, uh, demo, um, that was kind of edited out of uh, a couple of feature sets that I've been doing in preparation for it. And, uh, they really liked it. So now, um, we just have to wait till we're done with filming, um, the other episodes of Pete and Poji, and then, uh, and then I will, I think we're going to film it or record it in Seattle at the underground. Um, I think around like October, November. Fuck, Steve, that's awesome news, man. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those deals where it's like, everything sounds really cool. Let's just see how it all plays out. Yeah, right, right. There's always some weird shit that pops up and knocks everything off. Right, right. It's like, uh, it's like, we're going to Seattle and then halfway the flight, whoever was running the deal was like, nah, I don't like it anymore. They just flipped the switch. Yeah. This long-haired guy's an asshole. We're not having him do anything. Fuck this shit. I'm done with it. For no reason. (laughs) Yeah, so, it's exciting. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you go to, uh, I mean, you know, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook, I'm pretty active on. Twitter, I'm only active on if I'm, like, drunk or I'm rallying against a corporation. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just not a medium I like. I, you know, I'm a long-winded storyteller. Yeah. So 140 characters just isn't my best fit. Right. Uh, but my website, stevepoji.com, uh, if you go check that out, I actually have a post on there now of the most epic heckler meltdown I ever was privy to and it like like this chick she basically it's at an open mic she loses her mind she gets kicked out of the show she jumps up on stage at the show and like bulldogs the show what? the cop um, she gets thrown out she's screaming at everyone she acts like like there has to be some sort of drug or like mental imbalance or both for the, her behavior explanation right but it got to the point where she gets outside, her friends are trying to get her to leave, and she ends up fist-fighting her friends. Wow. And then the cops come up, and then they let her friends go, they arrest her, and I have all of it on video, basically. Like, the moment she on, gets on stage, I start recording, because I'm like, like this is going to be crazy. What? And, but it, it turns out other people were recording. So throughout the video, there's three camera angles oh. between a wide shot of it, the comic recording her on stage who was performing, and then the aftermath brawl. Because eventually I have to summon my door guy skills and be like, all right, we got to calm the situation down. Right. And uh, But yeah, dude, that was that was pretty friggin' intense. And I on my website, I have two, uh, like not like full releases uh, as the new one will be, but they were uh, their CDs you can download that lead up to it. One, uh, the first one, Cafe Destiny is a mixtape, and then uh, the second one, Felony Funny, uh, it's much more polished stand-up. But uh, it still doesn't show me at my prime, and that was the need to record this new CD. Right. Yeah, man, absolutely. If uh, if if you're interested in some more stories uh, through my website, I have. Uh, a couple. I'll have uh, some media links up to a bunch of other podcasts that I did, and uh, like I said, the one that I did with Stanhope, that's where I tell all my illegal activity stories of me just being an idiot again, but in a different kind of context, and more of an idiot with the law than uh, people who are famous and have no business being around me. <laughs> Steve, it's been awesome, man. Good luck with uh, good luck with Pete and Poji, and uh, just keep killing out there on the West Coast, baby. Absolutely, man. Thanks again for having me on, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Have a good day. 
That was my interview with Steve Poggi about Norm MacDonald. Suggestions for future episodes would be great, but if you know or are a comedian with a story like this that you'd like to share, contact me at imtheotherguypodcast at gmail.com. There's no apostrophe in that, kids, because that's how the internet works. Or you can send me a tweet at barenucklehaha. I'm the Other Guy is part of the Bare Knuckle Comedy Podcast Network, so check out some of our other podcasts. There's Instant Expert, hosted by Andrew Mahalovich, in which Andrew interviews comedians, improvisers, and other compulsive liars about jobs they don't have and topics they know nothing about. You can check out Justin Needs a Ride. Comedian Justin Luke doesn't have a car, and so he might as well interview the other comics who cart him around to shows. And, of course, there's Bare Knuckle Comedy Podcast, which features audio from the comics and other performers recorded live at the longest-running independent comedy show in St. Louis. I'm Christian Lawrence, and this has been I'm the Other Guy. Via con Dios.